Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to episode three of The Look Ahead, brought to you by SB Nation. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera of Niners Nation, and with me as always, Ed Valentine. Ed, how you doing? I'm good, Rob. Lots of good games to talk about this week. Yes, me as a Niners guy and you from Big Blue Review. Uh, Big Blue Review, excuse me. We'll get to Niners Giants later in the show, but it's Thursday, and you know what that means. Thursday night football This week, it's Miami going to Jacksonville to take on the Jags. So we wanted to reach out to the SB Nation community. Who better to talk to about the Jags than Ryan Day from Big Cat Country? Ryan, thanks for a few minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Love talking Jaguars. Okay, first question for me. Very serious. Gardner Minshew's mustache or Ryan Fitzpatrick's beard? I think it takes a special type of person to rock a mustache. I think that there (laughs) – I think – I think – I think the beard is very easy. I think that the beard is very nice for people like myself who may need to shape up their face, but not want to put in the work at the gym. <laughs> and so for me, a beard is is very easy and it's more difficult to rock a mustache well. So for that reason, and no homerism at all, I'm going to have to go with Minchu and the, and the stash. I have to say, Rob, that that question came from the only clean shaven person who's in this conversation at the moment. Well, that's true. I'm jealous of both of those guys. This is the best I can do for facial hair. That's all I got. All right. So, uh, so Ryan, I am going to ask you a question that, that again has, has nothing to do with the game. Yeah. And it, it comes from my Giants background. At this point, how happy are you to have moved on from from the Tom Coughlin years with Jacksonville? I don't know if elated is strong enough of a word. I don't think it's any secret that this locker room despised Tom Coughlin. And I don't think it's any secret that Tom Coughlin really created a toxic culture and environment in in that front office and that it seeped down to the the locker room. Um, Tom Coughlin is always going to be a coach. He's not a good front office guy. He's not a good leader in an executive role. It's kind of like a boss hires a middle manager to manage the employees, but then the boss is on the practice field every day, you know, looking over your shoulder. And so I don't think Doug appreciated that after the sort of initial hire um, all those warm fuzzies, you know, wore off. And, and I mean, he ran off arguably our best player going into this season in Ngakwe. So I'm very happy that he's gone. And I'm very happy that pretty much every bet that Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone made this off season hit. 
All right. So, Ryan, let me ask you this, you know, talking a little bit about Gardner Minshew and Minshew mania and, and how much fun the Jags are and all of that. I keep waiting for the bottom to fall out with Gardner Minshew, you know, with sixth round pick a year ago. Nobody really expected what we've seen from him so far. Are you a believer at this point or do you think that 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 bottom is eventually going to fall out? Yeah, I mean, as a Jaguars fan, you kind of always have that mentality of the bottom's going to fall out um, <laughs> whenever something good happens. Um, but with Gardner Minshew, he's played 16 games so far since he's been drafted. He had 14. He has 14 starts. He's seven and seven. He's played 16 games. And I actually did an exercise. We have a newsletter at Big Cat Country where we try and put out articles that we don't put on the main site, like exclusive content, subscribe, you get to read it. I broke down his first 16 games and I compared them to every quarterback in Jaguars history who has played at least 16 games. And I took their best season and put it up against Gardner Minshew's first 16 games. And Gardner Minshew, like, did better than all of them <laughs> in some categories he was top like yards per attempt interception rate um like uh, uh uh touchdown rate i mean he he was if not the best he was like top two or three and there were very few things that he was even just kind of middle of the road at so when i look at that and i see his first 16 games can go up against any quarterback's best season in Jaguars history. That to me says, all right, we have, if he's not the guy, we have a very, very good guy who is arguably the best quarterback in franchise history. So that's a pretty good worst case scenario. So Minshew gets a lot of love and rightfully so, but James Robinson has more rushing yards through the first two games of the season than any Jags running back has ever had through two games in a season. First of all, who is he? Where did he come from? And why can the Jags find skill players basically from anywhere? James Robinson is a guy who, uh, I mean, he's Illinois State. He wasn't drafted. And I thought the Jaguars were a fool for getting rid of just cutting Fournette outright, but we rolled him out. And I mean, James Robinson handed me and a ton of fans, like the biggest L of week <laughs> one when he just, I mean, he was, he was doing things that Leonard Fournette never did. He was gaining positive yards when he was contacted in the backfield. He was converting third downs on his own last week against the Titans. He didn't have a single tackle for a loss in, in, you know, in about 20 or 22 carries. And so that is a stark contrast from a Leonard Fournette who needed, you know, he need, he couldn't run out of the shotgun. He needed the offensive line to create for him. Now we have James Robinson who has incredible burst, incredible acceleration. I mean, he's hurt. He's literally hurtling over professional football players in the game of play. And, and he's got, he's got, I think he was five or 10 yards shy of the NFL record for rushing yards from an undrafted rookie through their first two games and total yards from scrimmage. I mean, he blew that out of the water. So I know what we have in James Robinson through the first two weeks of the season, which is the best running back we've had since Maurice Jones drew. Um, and it seems kind of crazy to say that because I just said Gardner Minshew's first 16 games stacks up against any quarterback in Jaguars history, but that's kind of, where we find ourselves and if the defense can just find a pass rush if that secondary can just hold another second or two in coverage we have something very very special 
um, happening in, in, in Jacksonville. So you're taking the, the Jags and giving the points? It's three points. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm betting the mortgage on, on Jaguars minus three. Did you clear that with, with well, your banker? Yeah, with my banker and with, uh, with the, the co-signer of the loan. Oh, Ryan Day from Big Cat Country. Thank you very much. I guess we're going Jags tonight. Thank you, sir. Yeah, good Jags. All right, Ed. Now that we've got the Thursday night matchup covered, let's get into some of the other games the people want us to talk about. And by the way, that's what we do. We listen to you. You tell us the games you want to hear about, and that's what you get on the look ahead. And if you want to be a part of that, by the way, go to sbnation.com slash reacts or on Twitter at SBN reacts, and you can vote on the games you most want to see. So let's start with Cowboys and Seahawks. Seahawks minus five in the game. Uh, both teams coming off incredible wins. I would say there would be a letdown, but both teams are sort of due for a letdown. So I don't know that that matters in this one, Ed. I'm still not convinced. I'm, I'm still not convinced about Dallas, but the Seahawks are, are giving up, you know, what about a mile and a half defensively every game? Thank you. Thank you, Ed. You are the first person other than me that, that seems to have noticed that the Seahawks have given up the most yards in the entire league, almost 500 yards a game of total offense. If Russell isn't great, the Seahawks are going to lose. Well, they're, they're, they're quote unquote, letting Russ cook because they, they have no choice because <laughs> they, they can't stop anybody. And this, this is not the way Pete Carroll wants to play football and it's fun and it's exciting, but is it sustainable? I, I really don't know. Yeah, I mean, you got to ask yourself, is Russell Wilson going to play at a superhuman level for the entire season? And just so you know, he has 11 incompletions this season and nine touchdown passes, which is just unbelievable. He's been, to me, the MVP by far. He's been the best quarterback in the league, but it's unfair to ask anyone to do that for 16 games. It's just not. And like you were saying, that defense puts a lot of pressure on him. You know, there's no offensive line really there in Seattle. Now there's no defense. It's really Russ cooking and he's got to be, I'm trying to think of Emerald Lagasse, the most famous <laughs> chef I can think of. I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, you know, when is the last time, Rob, when is the last time that, that you talked about the Seattle Seahawks and, and talked about them being bad on defense? It's just, it's, it's not Seahawk like, and it just feels odd. Yeah, it's, I mean, certainly a change for me as someone that's gotten to witness up close and personal how terrifying those Seattle defenses are. I mean, they have Jamal Adams, who's who's really good, you know, near the line of scrimmage, but in coverage, he doesn't scare you. And even if he did, he's only one man. I mean, he can't do it all by himself, and he's going to have to because everybody else on that Seattle defense, even Bobby Wagner in coverage, they're not very good. No, they're not. I think uh, what's the number that they're giving up 485 yards per game total offense. And I think 400 and something of that is, is passing yards. And it's just, it, it's, it, it's crazy. And I, I don't, as I said earlier, I just don't know how that, uh, how that's sustainable. Let me ask you how you're picking this one, Rob. It's tough because I don't know how much credit to give the Cowboys for last week. I know they came back and pulled it off, which is great. But, you know, you were also down that many points in the first place. You gave up 39 points to the Falcons. So I don't know how much faith to put in you. I think Zeke is great. I like some of the weapons they have there. But 
I've also seen Dallas underperform when we thought they were going to be great. And I think right now, I, I'm, I hate to say this. This pains me as a Niner fan, but I think I got to go with Russ and the Seahawks. You know, I, I'll take the Seahawks to win, but, but if I'm, if I'm betting the, the point spread on this one, Rob, the five points bothers me a lot. I mean, I, I've, I've got to take, I've got to take Dallas with the points here. That's fair. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a, a blowout either way for sure. I think both teams are going to keep it close. Um, I did want to ask you something. This is not particularly about this game specifically, but it has to do with the Cowboys because at the end of that game against the Falcons, they score a touchdown. There's about just under five minutes left. They score the touchdown to make it 39 30 and Mike McCarthy elects to go for two, which he got a ton of criticism for because the Cowboys didn't make the two point conversion. I agree with Mike McCarthy. I think it was the right choice to make, but I have a feeling you come down differently. Oh, you feel right. My friend, you feel (laughs) right. I have to say this. There were two instances in that game. One early in the game where the Falcons went for two, they're ahead 26 to seven with six minutes or so left in the first half. And, And they go for two. They're chasing points when they're ahead by three touchdowns. And I simply don't understand it. And I don't necessarily understand Dallas going for two either. And, you know, you can argue about it because you can say, well, there's five minutes left. And if they make it, it puts them within one score. Mm -hmm. But if the Falcons handle their business at the end of that game, if you fail on that two point conversion, you shouldn't get the ball back two more times. You shouldn't. There's just no way. You go for one. You put yourself behind by eight. You figure you've probably got one more possession. You know, if the Falcons don't completely screw that game up, you've got one more possession and then you go for two. You know, I, I, I spent some time looking at the numbers and and it depends on what you look at as far as what the conversion rate is is on these two point conversions, you'll see anywhere from 40% to 55%, something like that. And, and you'll see people say, well, if you go for it, if you go for two, every single time you actually wind up scoring more points. And I'm sorry, I, maybe I'm old school, but don't chase points when you don't have to go for two points when you absolutely need it. But here's the thing. This is where I look at it from you're going to have to go for two eventually, either on that score or the next score. At some point, you're going to have to go for two. So I go for it early because if I don't get it, which is what happened, then I know I really have to hurry up on offense whenever I have the ball. I know what I have to do going yeah, but, forward. But, but Rob, if you, like I said, if the Falcons don't screw that up, if you, if you go for two with five minutes and something left and you fail, you're still down nine. You're still down two scores. If you go for one and you make it, you're down one score. So I don't understand going for two there at all. I know they got away with it, but I don't understand going for two because if you miss, you need two possessions that you probably shouldn't get. Well, you shouldn't get two. You're right. The Falcons screwed it up, but you have to go for two eventually. So why not go for it so that if you don't get it, you have more time left to make up for that. I, I understand that Rob, but I, I, 
if you have to go for two twice, fine. But for me, the, the problem that I have with it is when you fail, you're down nine points and you need two possessions. That's, that's where I get hung up on it, you know, and because as, as I said, you're, you're probably not going to get the opportunity to score twice. So you put yourself in a position by failing, you know, with five minutes to go, you, you put yourself in, in a tenuous situation where you need some sort of a massive break, which the Falcons gave the Cowboys to have two possessions. So, you know, so that's, but, but this is the beauty of it, Rob, we can, we can argue about it and Dallas screwed this up and they still won the game. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that onside kick was, we've seen in two weeks that we've seen teams not know how to handle kickoffs in week one. It was the saints who did that kind of pop-up kick that the Buccaneers didn't know that they could just fair catch instead of crashing into one another. And then last week with the onside kick, the Falcons players are staring at that thing. Like, I, I don't know what they were waiting for. You're going to get me started here, Rob. You're going to get me started. Go ahead. These are NFL players. How on God's green earth do NFL players not know the stinking rules? <laughs> Give me a break. You know, if you're the Atlanta, if you're if you're the Atlanta Falcons on that onside kick, how can you stand there? How can four guys circle that ball and stand there and watch it roll and then let a cowboy jump in between all of them and fall on it? How how do you do that? How do you not understand the rule? Just fall on the ball. It boggles the mind. But that's the thing, like it's the Falcons, right? Like they do stuff like that. It, it's so disappointing. If I were a Falcons fan, I would be just, just broken up if, about it. I mean, Dan if, Quinn, what are you doing? I don't know who the special teams coach is in Atlanta, but, but he should have been fired on Monday morning. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You're swinging the hammer Ed. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not my team. I don't care. Send him on his way. Send All him right. back in. Now we're firing people. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> let's, let's see who we can fire in the next game. That's Green Bay going to New Orleans to take on the Saints. Saints, a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. And just my first blush reaction, I don't think the Packers are as good as they looked in their two wins, and I don't know necessarily that the Saints are as bad as they looked in their loss to the Raiders. Oh, that's that's a fair point, Rob. But, but you know, if – if Drew Brees doesn't have a good game, I mean, do we, do we start the, you know, the, the Taysom Hill for quarterback chance here? Oh, you know, no. I don't. <laughs> no, don't get me started on Taysom Hill. I know I I'm not buying on Taysom Hill either. I'm just, I'm just doing what I do and stirring up trouble. <laughs> well, I mean, but you're not wrong on Brees. Look, he looks unlike the Drew Brees that we've seen even in recent years. And I know there was a stat that he got sort of prickly about, He's averaging less than five yards of in the air with his passes this year. So most of his passes are traveling in the air for less than five yards. That's the lowest since any quarterback since Brett Favre in 2009. Like that is incredible. And I think defenses know it. I think they're stacking the box. There's no fear that he's going to go over their head. And that makes life really difficult on an offense. Oh, sure. It does. Especially when you're missing Michael Thomas, when you're missing, an incredible wide receiver who despite 
you know, teams have been doing this to New Orleans for years because it's been as, as well as their offense has, has functioned. It's been apparent for years that you get past that, that, you know, sort of intermediate pass range, you know, the 15 yard range and, and Drew Brees He's 41 years old now. He can't make that throw 25 yards down the field. He can't make that throw with any velocity on it. If, if he makes that throw and completes it, it's because they schemed it up and it was wide open. He can't make that throw down the field into a tight window anymore. And he needs, you know, he needs guys to, to make catches in traffic. He needs guys to get yards after catch. He needs those things. And, you know, you look at his numbers, I think I wrote it down. I think it's like 64% completion percentage. I think his, his passer rating for whatever passer rating is worth is, is above 90. So it's not bad, but the numbers just aren't what they've been for him in recent years. And even with the short passes, you, you watch the saints play the first couple weeks and there's just more misfires than you're used to from breeze. There are more, passes that aren't on target he's not what he was and he needs more help and, and you're absolutely right if I'm if I'm playing defense against him I stack the box I I press cover everybody stack the box and, and, and you make him try to throw over the top of you because I'm not convinced he can do it yeah, I think the safeties think, look, if he's going to throw that, I'll have time to recover, basically, because the ball's it's going to take so long to get there. Now, I will say, I don't think the Packers are nearly as good as they've looked. They played Minnesota and Detroit, who I think are absolute dumpster fires. Devontae Adams is banged up. He didn't practice yesterday. He's got a hamstring, so that's a huge part of their offense as well. He's their biggest weapon. And I feel like the Packers are doing what they do. They're good enough to beat up cupcakes they are without question Aaron Rodgers is still good that offense can move the ball but when they play anybody tough you see that they're just not as great of a team as they look on paper well you could be right about that Rob but you know Aaron Rodgers is doing his Superman thing again and it's been a while since we've seen that version of Rodgers and I wasn't sure that it that 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 version of Rodgers still existed And, you know, he's doing his Superman thing again. And you question why the Packers drafted Jordan Love at the end of the first round, you know, as a quarterback, because you you would you would expect you would want them to to give Rodgers some help instead of draft a replacement. And and I'm starting to wonder if they actually did Rodgers a favor by simply ticking him off. Uh, But like. You really needed that if you're Aaron Rodgers. Like, you needed that extra motivation to go out and play well. Like you, otherwise, you just weren't going to do it. Like, that bugs me because that's saying he's not trying as hard as he could have. And if that's the case, I think that's more of a knock on Aaron Rodgers than anything else. Yeah, again, you could be right there, but I just, you know, but but I'm just wondering if, if part of, of what's going on with him is – you know, I'm just going to show people that I'm not done yet and, and they don't need to start thinking about replacing me. And, and, and I don't know, because he, he carried that team. It seems like he's always kind of carried that team when they've been really good. He's always brought them to places where you, where you wouldn't think they were quite good enough to go. 
he has in the past. I think they did a better job back then of putting weapons around him because I feel like they haven't given him as much help as as he should. I think he has one touchdown pass in his career to a first round draft pick, which is incredible. And it's Mercedes Lewis, who they you know they just picked up fairly recently. Um, but I just I don't know. I I want to see it against the good team. And I think the Saints are m- the best team that the Packers have played this season by far. Uh, the line in this one is Saints by three and a half. I. I do think New Orleans is hurt by the lack of fans because that's a key part of their home field advantage. But I'm going to take the Saints and I'll give the points in this one. All right, we're going to disagree on this one. I am going to take the Packers because I just, right now, I don't have faith in the Saints that they can keep up. And it sounds strange to say it, but I don't have faith in the Saints that they can keep up if the Packers you know, drop 30 or 35 points on them. So you're taking the Packers and the points. You're not hedging your bet like you did with the last game, taking both I, sides. I, I am not hedging my bet on this one. I'm taking the <laughs> Packers all the way. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, one more game we want to look at, and that's the Rams and the Bills. The Rams going to the East Coast, early game. They'll take on Buffalo. Buffalo's favored by two, and I can't believe I'm saying this, Ed. Josh Allen is leading the NFL in passing yardage. Yeah, that, that's that's insane to think about that because big arm so inconsistent his first couple of years, but uh, – but, you know, Josh Allen, maybe he's developing into into that that franchise quarterback, you know, that that guy that, that the Bills were hoping for. He has, like you said, there have been some some misses for sure. But he I mean, he and Diggs are connecting right away. Diggs is tied for the league lead in receiving yardage. So that looks like a great pickup so far for Buffalo. Um, now, I will say they've played the Jets and the Dolphins, who not exactly studs of the AFC, but they're two and oh. They're 2-0 in the division. 
I think Sean McDermott is a really good coach. Their defense, I think, is very, very strong. They're still running the ball pretty well. Also, there's a lot going on with Buffalo that I like, but the Rams look good too, Ed. The Rams look like they're back to their 2018 form, not their 2019 form. Yeah, they do. But but again, I mean, you can also make the argument that they beat the Cowboys and we're, we're still not sure what the Cowboys are. They're one, you know, Atlanta meltdown from being 0-2. <laughs> And they beat the Eagles, who are also 0-2. And for me, this game is kind of a real measuring stick. I think a week ago I said I wasn't sure what the Rams were and which one of these teams is is real at this point. And I think we're going to learn something about that on Sunday. The thing I like about the Rams is that they're spreading the ball around. I feel like McVay is sort of getting back to – the things that made him successful earlier in his tenure there with the play action passes and the bootlegs. I mean, last week, seven different Rams carried the ball and six different Rams had at least two catches. So they are really spreading the ball out. You can't really game plan for any one person. And I think that's exactly the way that that team has to be successful because I'm not a huge Jared Goff guy. I don't think he's bad, but I don't think he's anything special, but McVay sort of, he works with what he's got, basically. He spreads the ball around and makes things easier on Goff. No, and you're right. That's how they won, you know, that's how they won games a couple of years ago where Goff wasn't trying to uh, to carry the full load. You know, when I look at the Bills, I'm just I'm just I'm thankful that there's someone in the AFC East who actually looks like a realistic <laughs> challenger for the New England Patriots. It's like Thank God there might actually be another decent team in that division. And I think that this is be a nice game for the Bills to pick up. I know it's not an AFC game, but they're going to need to stack as many wins as they can because, like you said, I think New England is really, really good. And these are the games, if you're going to take down you know, the champion, if you're going to dethrone the Patriots in the AFC East, you've got to win these games like this. They're not conference games, but you got to – this is a winnable game for Buffalo. It's not a shoe-in. But if you're going to be that team, these are the games you win. You're absolutely right. You know, this is a game with the Rams coming across the country for a one o'clock start. And I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, you know, historically, the one o'clock starts on the East Coast for the West Coast teams are difficult. And I'm going to take the bills here. I'm going to take the bills. It's two points. You know, and, and, you know, maybe it's just because my son lives there, but I'm taking the bills. <laughs> I like that. You just throw your bias out there, like for the world to see. That's good. Hey, whatever, you know, it's out there, you know? So it's, uh, no, my, my, my son and my, and my granddaughter live just a couple miles from there. So, and, and they're not even bills fans, believe it or not. My, they're Patriots fans. Oh, that's so bad. What happened? But, when you have kids, Rob, they, they like to be oppositional. And my son, we're sitting down watching the 2007 Super Bowl. And I'm there sitting there watching the game, writing about the Giants. And he wanders into the room and, and he's like 11 years old. And he's going to sit down and watch the game with me. But he's going to sit there and try to annoy me. <laughs> he decided he was going to sit there and root for the Patriots. Oh, man. And it just stayed that way. <laughs> How did it work so, out for him, though? Not well, but 
<laughs> but still, you know? Wow. So but, you're telling me, I have a six-year-old son right now, and he he's all in for the 49ers like me. He's a diehard 49ers guy. You're saying at some point that's going to turn, and he's going to like come down the stairs one day with like a Russell Wilson jersey on? Well, anything, anything is possible. Oh, right. so, so, so yeah, so I'm taking the bills. So we're back to that. I'm taking the bills. Uh, we didn't get your pick on this one, Rob. I got to go with the Rams. I, I'm not totally buying into the bills yet. The Rams are a good team. The Rams have more of the pedigree. I think Sean McVay, you know, they were nine and seven last year. It's not like they were four and 12. I know they missed the playoffs, but it's not like they're some horrible team. There's a good foundation there. I'll take the Rams. I don't think the bills are a bad team. But give me the Rams, plus I get the two points, and, you know, Buffalo will have to bounce back the week after that. There you go. So we, uh, we have arrived at, uh, at what we call dealer's choice, which will be our pick for a game to, uh, to talk about. And it, it's your turn this week, Rob. So a- after I made you suffer last week and talk about the, uh, the Arizona Cardinals, it's your turn. So, uh, so where are we going with dealer's choice this week? Dealer's choice for me this week, and maybe it's the homer in me, but I'm going 49ers at Giants. And let me tell you, Ed, I don't know what kind of game your team's trying to pull with that crap field you got over there in MetLife, but all our guys are already hurt. So you can't do any more damage this week. You guys, you know what, you soft West Coast people, (laughs) give me a break complaining about the field. Come on, just be quiet with that. I feel bad you got a bunch of guys hurt, but... It's, it's brand new turf. It's fine. You know, just ask Joe judge. It's fine. It's fine. It's two inches of grass underneath the slab of concrete. What do you call that? A field? Give me a break. Uh, something like that. You know, at least, you know, I, I don't think Jimmy Hoffa's buried underneath <laughs> this field though. So, <laughs> I mean, this is like going to see star Wars with no Carrie Fisher and no Mark Hamill and no Darth Vader. I mean, everybody's out for the Niners and they're still favored by four. You're going to whine about the fields. You're going to whine about all the guys you don't have. Just don't even get on the plane. We'll take the forfeit. Look, I think you're still going to get hammered by the 49ers B team personally, but I'm just a little upset there. I want the giants are supposed to be a high quality team. I want them to have a high quality field over there. And I don't know what, you know, I don't know if it's supposed to be like a home field advantage or what. Maybe Joe judge is pulling some magic over there, but I don't like it. I blame the jets. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry. I blame the Jets. Look, it used to be just Giants Stadium. Now the Giants have to share this place with the Jets. And, and I'm sorry, it's it it's a dull, drab, gray building. And it's the Jets' fault because <laughs> if it was just Giants Stadium, it would be a beautiful, bright blue building. Everything would say Giants on it. Life would be good. And, and and you guys wouldn't be complaining about the field because the Giants would put a beautiful would put a good field in there. Don't you think that both teams should go throwback jerseys in this game? Give me the old school 49ers white jerseys with the old helmets and give me the Giants blue with the Giants on the helmet. Like I want the old the 80s jerseys for this game. It'll just feel like some of those oh, old time matches. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. I don't know how most Giants fans feel, but I do not really like the lowercase NY. I like Giants on that helmet. I'm sorry, especially since this team plays in New Jersey. <laughs> and I know they're the New York Giants, 
but they're the giants. Please put giants on the side of the helmet, please. You know, we talk about all the guys the 49ers have out. There's going to be no Saquon Barkley for the Giants. He tore his ACL. And no Sterling Shepard. He's on IR. So the Giants are kind of depleted in this one also. I'd like to whine about Barkley not being there, but I can't when you look at the length of that of that that 49ers injury list. And, and you think, you know, Nick Bosa's on that list, you know, torn ACL. Here's a question for you. Bigger loss, Bosa or Barkley? Oh, Bosa. It's not even close. Bosa is a top five defender in the whole league. The Giants have gone entire years with Barkley where they haven't sniffed the playoffs. And, you know, as much as I'd like to argue with that, it's hard for me to argue with that because uh-huh. as, as because the Giants aren't winning games. So it's, it's hard for me to argue with that. I understand how singular of a talent Saquon Barkley is, how, how tremendous he is, how much of a highlight reel he is, but it's hard for me to, to make an argument that the answer to the question I asked is Barkley when the giants have won nine games in, in all the time that, and Barkley's played, I think in, you know, so 34 games over two plus seasons, nine and 25, <laughs> you know, well, maybe wow. nine and 22. Cause he did miss three games last year with the, with the high ankle sprain, but still nine and 22, you know, not good. So, okay. You hedged your bet in the Cowboys Seahawks game. You're taking Seattle, but you want the Cowboys and the five points in the second game. You're taking the Packers over the saints in the third game, Rams bills. You're going Buffalo and, and don't worry. Don't, you don't have to stall any longer. I know you're taking the 49ers in the giant game. You could say it. (laughs) Go ahead. You know what? Under ordinary circumstances, I would take the 49ers, and I'm not doing this just because you're on the other end of this conversation, and and I want to get you riled up, but the Giants have played better in the first two weeks than I think 0-2 would indicate, and I just think there's so much, the 49ers are so beat up. You know, anywhere close to full strength, and I wouldn't even dare pick this as an upset. But I just think that if the Giants are, are going to, to pull off an upset, that the 49ers being this beat up, being aggravated about the turf at MetLife Stadium, having to come back to MetLife for a second straight week, which... I don't know what kind of impact that has. I know that Kyle Shanahan's not thrilled about it. I'm going to take the Giants just because I think there's so many things working against the 49ers this week. A big blue view guy takes the Giants in a stunning development. I'm sure people won't be talking about it forever. And, uh, yeah, and, and Niners Nation guy takes the 49ers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I take the team that went to the Super Bowl last year. You're taking the team well, who just lost their best offensive weapon. See, but you're taking the team. You, you, you had enough. You had your fun last year. Come on. <laughs> that's fortunately, that's not how it works. But okay, so that's going to do it for us. Those are the games of the week. Again, if you want in on this, if you want to say over what games we talk about, go to SBNation.com slash reacts or on Twitter at SBN reacts. You can vote and then you'll hear us talk about them next week. Until then, enjoy the game tonight. Ed, I hope all your picks are wrong. Thanks a lot, Rob.